0: Okay, guys, uh, Galatians chapter 5. Um, I, I love texts like these uh, that I'm about to read you because I think um, uh, the genteel uh, don't know that passages like this are in the Bible. Um, they, they are, um, they are uh, um, surprised to find Statements like these included in Holy Writ, uh, um, and I can understand your surprise. There is a, a statement in here that I don't know how you can take it, but anything but cursing. Um, but we'll get to it and we'll, and try to address it. And and I'm I'm all for it. Uh, that is uh, not that I'm all for cursing, but um, uh, it, it 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 moves me that that Paul gets. Um, so exercised about these things, and, um, and I, I think we would do well to get exercised about them, too. All right, but we looked at uh, verses 7, 8, and 9 last week. We'll try to do 10, 11, and 12 tonight, Lord willing. So I'm going to read the whole paragraph, starting at verse 7, going through verse 12. Um, the apostle says to these people that he loved and was used to introduce them to Christ, he says, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who called you. And, and then we, we, we talked about this a lot last week. A little leaven, leaven's the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Now that's genteel, isn't it? (laughs) As said, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, breathes this... this, uh, imprecatory desire of his on his enemies. Now, we'll, we'll look at it, but let, let's start really at um, verse 10. Uh, just real quickly, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take note. His confidence, you'll notice, is, is not in them, that they're going to figure it all out, but that be, because he believes that they're converted people, his confidence in the Lord is that, that this is going to have a positive outcome My confidence is not in you that you'll ultimately figure it out, but the Lord will come and straighten things out for you. Um, And in the Lord, that you will take no other view than mine, ladies and gentlemen. That is that is a repulsive statement in this culture. There is no other right view out there except mine. How do you like that? Um, There's a lot of views. But only one of them is correct, and it's mine. And I'm confident in the Lord that you're going to get there. Um, um, that ultimately, he's going to bring you to the place that you're going to have the same view that, that, that I espouse. And then he says, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Um, that word troubling uh, is an interesting Greek word. It's the word tarasso. Um, You remember when the wise men came, uh, and they were hunting for Jesus in Matthew 2, and um, they came to Herod's palace, and they said, where is the the one born king of the Jews? And uh, the the word got out around the city, and it it says, um, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. That's the same Greek word, terraso. They were all troubled in Jerusalem. Everybody's upset. In fact, it even uses that, well, not that, uh, in verse 12, it talks about being unsettled. Um... This one who has tampered with uh, truth has troubled you. He's unsettled you. He's terrassoed you. And Paul is not happy about that. And, and I don't make that up. I mean, just, just look at verse 12, uh, which is pretty evidential that he's not happy about it. But gang, um it's, it's because of this little leaven that leavens, leavens the whole lump thing that it so upsets Paul. And that it, because he knows that it ultimately troubles God's people when they're, when they're introduced to error. I don't know whether this is a good example or not, but years ago when... Um, when we were first in Ocala, Florida, we had started this church in Ocala, Florida, and uh, we had this youth program. I've told you about it before. It's called, it was called the Thursday Nighter, and it was, really, it was just really the hottest thing in town. We had a church of 200 and a youth program of 400. Um, it, it was only in the summer. It was, called the th- it was just Thursday nights in the summer, but boy, it was, uh, it was blowing and going. And um, there was a kid in there, a good-looking kid. Um, his name was Johnny. Um, and uh, Johnny had been converted. And he was kind of, he was young, you know, but radically converted. And somewhere, and I don't know whether it was before he was converted or somewhere, he got the idea, and this is what he said. He said, real Christians do not smoke. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am not here tonight to encourage you to smoke. Um, but... Um, <laughs> we had an elder in that church. His name was Jim Steele. He was married to Leela, and they were precious, precious people. Lila, uh, Jim <laughs> was a postman. Uh, his wife, uh, after he died of cancer, um, went off to Ukraine and served um, for years by herself. Leela Steele was the salt of the earth. Everybody loved Lila and Jim. Jim smoked. Now, guys, I'm you know I, I don't smoke. I, you know I thought I was an athlete, and you know athletes don't smoke, and it'll cut your wind, and you know that was slow enough anyway. And um, um, but Johnny believed that real Christians don't smoke. And there was an elder in the church, and he smoked. Now, I don't think it was good that he smoked. He died died of cancer. Um, And and, and I would guess the AMA would say that, you know, smoking's not good for the lungs, and so you probably ought not smoke. But that doesn't mean that the statement, real Christians don't smoke, is true. But Johnny believed that. And Johnny went to uh, Jim Steele one Sunday, out in the parking lot. And I, I, I guess I could make more of this story up. Um, let's just say that Jim Steele was smoking a cigarette. I, I don't know. Uh, that, that, I just made that threw that in for. Uh. But Johnny goes to Jim Steele and rebukes him in the church parking lot, and he says, "Real Christians don't smoke." And Jim Steele, being the mature man that he was, handled him with greater aplomb. and and it was it was. It was a crisis averted, and and I I think Johnny learned a couple of things, et cetera, et cetera. um, But the point is that little bitty piece of leaven, real Christians don't smoke. That ain't the truth. By the way, did you know that Charles Spurgeon was a big cigar smoker? Did you know that? Did you know that we have a group of guys here that smoke cigars like once a month? They've never invited me. I'm I'm still an athlete in my mind. Um, um, Did you know that my hero of heroes, Dr. R.C. Sproul, smoked for years? Now, he quit, but he's he's having lung problems today um, because he smoked. I I don't know that. I don't know that it was because he smoked. I don't know that. All I'm saying is the the proposition um, real Christians don't smoke, it's a piece of falsehood and it troubles the people of God. It's a little leaven and it leavens the whole lump. So if if a real Christian doesn't smoke, that's a pretty tiny piece of leaven. If that was troublemaking, what do you think would happen if you've got a real big piece? A real big piece of falsehood. That, that would really make for um, um, some unsettling among the people of God. And that is, that is a concern of this pastor whose name happens to be Paul. Um, I got confidence in the Lord not you but I got that you're not you're going to ultimately get to the right view but the one who is troubling you he will bear the penalty whoever he is That's not very nice language. I mean you're not supposed to talk about like that about it. fellow clergymen Well let me just let me just talk about that let me talk that way about another fellow clergyman. His name is Joel Osteen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm not trying to make you laugh. I'm saying all of that stuff that he is promoting does nothing but trouble. Create. I don't, I'm not saying he's, I don't know where he's going to spend eternity. It's not my business. But I can tell you that emphasis creates great trouble among God's people. And um, whoever sows that little bit of leaven, um, he will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Um, Again, guys, don't ever hear me saying that I, I I mean, I'm trying to encourage you to smoke. Please, I mean, there is in in a part of my world called the, I better leave it nameless, but it was very cool to smoke, you know. <laughs> and, um, and I'm not trying to encourage that. I'm just trying to illustrate the point. That was a tiny piece of leaven. It unsettled and troubled the people of God. And it will unsettle and trouble you if you permit it. Then you come to verse 11. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Gang, this is a real battle that's going on. Um, apparently, this guy up in verse 10, whoever he is, had suggested that Paul also preached circumcision. Because, you know, Paul did circumcise Timothy in, in Acts 16. and we, we can talk about that another time. But um, So it, it, there was the accusation that Paul preaches this too. And Paul's response is, if I am preaching what they're preaching... That is, that, that, that um, uh, circumcision is required? You know, uh, j- just, just flatter the human pride and, the, and human effort? If I'm preaching that, then why am I still being persecuted? Um, he's being persecuted because he takes a firm, very narrow stance. You know, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus warned us in Matthew 5 um, to take that stance would mean persecution, but it still doesn't make it fun. It's still not enjoyable. And and I think you see the, the Apostle Paul groaning under the weight of his own persecution. Why am I still persecuted, dead gummit? If I'm preaching like them, but I'm not preaching like them. And that's why I'm being persecuted. Um, because I refuse to recognize the value of human achievement um, because I ref- because of that refusal to recognize the value of human effort the whole nation of Judaism hates me because of the thing that I'm preaching is the thing that offends them. Gang, I want you to see something. I think this is a good illustration. At least I love to tell the story. Um, go to the book of Jeremiah. Uh, one of these days before I hang up my spurs, I probably, I'd, I'd like to preach through the book of Jeremiah. But go to Jeremiah 28. And, and we just trying to illustrate this point about the offense of what Paul is preaching. Um, go to chapter 28. And, and you can just stay there, but let me tell you the story. Um, in Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 3, this is Jeremiah 25, 3. Jeremiah says, I, I'll read it. For 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah to the son of Ammon, the king of Judah, to this day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened. I have been preaching to you people for 23 years. And you have not listened. Now, do you know what he was preaching? Do you know what Jeremiah was telling Israel? Jeremiah was telling Israel that there was going to, judgment was going to come from the north in the form of the Babylonian army led by Nebuchadnezzar. And here's what he told his audience in Jerusalem. Here's what he told them. He said, "Um, if you will go out to the Babylonians, if you will surrender and go out to the Babylonians, They will enslave you, but you'll have your life. But if you stay inside Jerusalem and you choose to fight it out, you're going to be destroyed. They're going to feed you to the birds. That was Jeremiah's message to to, to Israel, the kingdom. And, you know, they put him in jail and all this stuff. 23 years I've been saying this, you're not listening to me. <clears throat> but in chapter 28, it kind of comes to a head. Um, there's another prophet that shows up. His name is Hananiah. I guess that's the way to say it. Um, this is chapter 28. Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet from Gibeon. He spoke to me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priest and all the people saying, Thus says the Lord uh, of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon within two years. I will bring back this place in the vessels, etc., cetera, etc. So Hananiah shows up and says, yeah, 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 Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar came down, and he took away a few of us all over into exile. But within two years, it's all going to be over with, and all those people are going to come back, and all the vessels that he stole out of the temple, we're, we're going to get them all back. Jeremiah, this is so cool, um, verse 6. And the prophet Jeremiah said, amen. You know what that is, don't you? That's a little sarcasm. Uh, Yeah, amen. Yeah, boy, you got it. You got it, Hananiah. I wish that would happen. But it ain't going to happen, Hananiah. Now, here's here's the point I want to make, guys. Jeremiah has a very hard message for the nation of Israel. But it was the one that was best for them. Hananiah has a very positive Joel Osteen message for them. And it was the one that ruined them. So, Paul says, there's an offense in the message that I have, yes. And it leads to persecution, but it's the... It's the very thing that you must hear. Um, Gang, I mean, look again at Galatians 5. We cannot remove... He mentions it in the text. Um, Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross. We cannot remove or tone down the offense of the cross. Ladies and gentlemen, there are some people that I don't want to like me. I don't want the Pope to like me. I don't want to be one with the Pope. I don't want unity with the Pope. But I don't take pleasure in saying that. but you see the pope has a message that says within 2 years everything's going to be fine all the best are going to be back Everybody, and the ones, it's going to be fine and that message will destroy you paul has a message it's a it's a gospel that strips away any pretense of spiritual achievement um The cross offends. And you know why it offends, don't you? Because it insults the pride of man. There's no place, there's no place for self. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, the human heart has such a strong infatuation with self. And the gospel strips all of that away. Again, the bottom line, the bottom line why the cross offends is because it assaults the pride of man. It, it, um, the gospel says that you're not good enough, um, nor are you smart enough to save yourself. Everything needed for your soul's safety is going to have to come from outside of you. And consequently, that message doesn't allow me to say or to conclude, well, <laughs> I'm just smarter than they are. <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, I'm basically just better than those people. Uh, no, no. The reason that Paul is being persecuted is because he has a message that offends. And it is the same, it is that message that is the best one for you. Just like Jeremiah's, oh, it's so offensive to hear what he's saying, he sounds like a a traitor. But that was the best message. This message, it strips away everything that that allows me a, a, a smidgen of boasting. That's the best one for me. I'll tell you what. That message that Joel Osteen's got, that's a whole lot easier message to listen to than the one Jimmy Young preaches. And, and by the way, um, he doesn't have crowds this size. He has crowds much larger Much larger than this. Because in terms of those messages, ladies and gentlemen, one of them sounds, his sounds so good, I can have my best life now. And that message is going to ruin you. The other message says, you're not smart enough, you're not holy enough, you're not good enough to save yourself. You need outside help. Well, I, that's a, I don't like that. You know. And so in, in the, the Judaizers are saying, well, here's what you need. You need to go get yourself circumcised. And once you do that, then you can you know, kind of roll your shoulders back and say, well, you know, I uh, went out and got circumcised. I have something to bust in. I have something that I did. I have something that was really good. And that's the why I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Says that message might sound good to you, but it'll ruin you. There's there's an offense to the cross, ladies and gentlemen, and the offense is because of our infatuation with our own selves. I like that. But, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing more beautiful than that gospel message, there's nothing more saving than to come to the place where I finally look outside of myself and say, if I don't get help from above, I'm ruined. Now, um, this last verse. (laughs) Um, I didn't write this. I wish those who unsettle you. You know, Paul says, if that circumcision thing works so good, you ought to just do a little bit more. I mean, just... just in... <laughs> Guys, I, I, I mean, I don't know how you, you can call this anything other than cursing. Paul is cursing these people. Something like that. Why, why would Paul get so exercised? Because of falsehood. Oh, but not in the 21st century. I mean, you know, doctrine's not that important. As long as everything that you believe is sincere. As long as you're sincere in it. You, you can believe any way you any any way you want. As long as you're sincere. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, just take grace in. What kind of response do you think I would get if I went up to that that pulpit on a Sunday morning and said, I wish all the people who are promoting baptism as saving would emasculate themselves? What what would you think the response would be? Ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what Paul said. Um, The thing that was so important to him is not that important to us. He gets so exercised because people are tampering with the message that will ultimately do you good. It's doctrine, folks. Now, gang, not all doctrine, you know, I've said that. I've tried to make a distinction, you know, like Augustine did in the essentials unity, non essentials liberty, but in all things charity. But in those essentials, and one of those essentials is. Salvation by grace through faith alone. Anybody that tampers with that should evoke from us the same kind of passionate response as you see here on the part of the Apostle Paul. Um, Just go ahead and castrate yourself. That's what he says. He lashes out at them. Why? Because they're preaching falsehood. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'll, I'll get I'll get people, you know, raising eyebrows just because I mentioned the name Joel Osteen, and I really didn't lash out. I didn't say anything about castration. But anybody that tampers with that gospel, that message that saves, that's what Paul says. They must do. We are uh, of more of a gentle persuasion that um, all of this is not important because unity is the thing that we must strive to maintain. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we must strive to maintain unity, but never at the expense of the truth. Never. Um, It might not concern you that a little leaven creeps in, but I can tell you this man under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit curses when something like that happens. He sees it as ultimate seriousness that someone has tampered has dared to tamper with the simple message that says human achievement human effort self-boasting is all detrimental to the soul what you ultimately need is not more human contribution but what you need is repentance from all of your contributions And flinging yourself at the finished work of the Savior. That's who Christians are, ladies and gentlemen. People who finally realized that not one speck of our contribution has improved our status. In fact, it's harmed it. The only thing that we must have is the Savior that God sent. The help coming from the outside. Nothing coming from the inside. Anything less than that is something that really ought to make us mad. Makes you mad, does it? It should. Father, I I do pray that uh, you will teach us the right things to be mad over. And um, uh, the non-essentials are not the things to be mad over. But the gospel is... The gospel, when tampered with, is something that should stir us to the base of our souls. And I pray that you will uh, make us valiant for the truth, a whole, a whole church full of people. Valiant for the truth. And I pray, Lord, where where error has crept in, that you'll expose it and help us to deal with it in a in a way that God's people might no longer be troubled nor unsettled by that which is not true. We ask all of that, of course, in Jesus' name, amen. Dessert's on me, right over here.